1: Hi, this is Jimmy Evans with Marriage Today. This podcast is dedicated to equipping families with the teaching and tools they need to succeed. We hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more marriage building content. The institution of marriage is more important than the institution of the church. We can't build this church on unhealthy marriages. It's more important than the institution of government. Our government's falling apart because families were falling apart across America. We don't have enough money to take care of the problems that broken families are causing. It's more important than finance. It's more important than anything else. And so this is the institution that God set apart for himself. Now listen to me just a minute. So you say, well, marriage is first of all for God. Absolutely. It is set apart for God, number one. The number one reason that Karen and I are married is for God. The number one reason that Karen and I are married is not for our own pleasure. It's not to get our needs met. It's not about us. The number one reason that we are married and we stay married is because we want our marriage to glorify Jesus Christ. That's the reason that we're married. But listen, when it's no longer about God, you can justify anything. And the reason that our culture is so dramatically changing uh, in people living together, in different types of marriages and living situations, the reason that we're changing is no longer about God, it's about us. Sexuality is an example. Did you know that your sexuality was created first of all for God? And that kind of surprises some people. It's like, wait, wait, Jimmy, you're saying that God created our sexuality for him? Absolutely. The only thing that God gets out of all of creation is a family. And the way that God gets that family is through our sexuality. Before our sexuality is about us, it's about God. And I'm telling you that marriage is sacred and I'm telling you that the mother's womb is sacred. It is a sacred place where God Almighty is working. And so God, God is coming now to the children of Israel and he's saying, this is no longer about me now. This is no longer about you honoring me and you serving me and your marriage honoring me. And you're committing abominations and you're profaning the holy institution that I love. And here's what I'm saying to you, because all of us, you know, all of us have issues in the area of marriage and none of us are perfect. But I'm saying, if you will love marriage, God will bless you. If you will make your marriage and your sexuality about God, God will bless you. This is a holy institution that He loves. And to the degree, listen, I want to love what God loves and hate what God hates. Anybody with me? God loves marriage and as Christian people, we can't get down on marriage. We can't be like the world. We have got to be defenders and supporters of the holy institution that God loves and God has a perfect plan for marriage. And this is what we love to tell people all over the world. You have a 100% chance of success in marriage when you do it God's way. God never creates anything to fail. God never creates anything to hurt people. Marriage is wonderful when you do it God's way. So let me talk about God's plan for marriage. And this is Genesis chapter one. God is telling us right here why he created marriage. Genesis 1, God said, let us, now notice there the plural, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, over all the earth and over all the creeping things that creep on the earth. So God created man in his own image In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So Genesis 1 now is a big overview of creation. And in Genesis 1, we're shown that God created them, male and female, in his image. And he gave them dominion, so on and so forth. In Genesis 2 now, it's the details. Adam is created first. He names all the animals on the earth. A helper is not found suitable for him. Then God takes a rib out and creates Eve. And so the detail of Genesis one related to marriage is found in Genesis chapter two. So let me tell you the four purposes of marriage. Here's why God created marriage. Number one is to replicate God's nature and image on the earth. So God wanted the earth to be full of his image. And the first thing that God ever said now in verse 26 says, "Let God said, let us, let us make man in our image. The word God, there's the word Elohim. Now there's many words for God or Lord in the Bible, but this word is the word Elohim. And when you find a Hebrew word that has I am on the end of it, it's masculine plural. It's talking about a group of men, like the Nephilim. We talked about the giants, the Nephilim. I am means a group of men. And so God, Elohim, was speaking among himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he said, let us make man in our image. And then he says he made them male and female in his image. And so let me have uh, my couple come up, Matt and Amy Spears. And also we have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit here. And they're going to help us to understand this. Amy, can you stand with me? And Matt, stand right over here if you would, Pastor Matt. Stand right over here. And then this is Lee Cummings. This is our friend Lee Cummings from Kalamazoo, Michigan, Radiant Church. Give him a big hand. And he, come right over here. Stand right here. This is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit right here. Y'all stand close shoulder to shoulder because you're one. Remember that. Okay, there you go. So Elohim here, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Triune God. Our God is three in one, right? Everybody with me? Okay, our Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is standing in the Jordan River. The Father says, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased, and the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. They're one, but they're three persons, okay? So Elohim in Genesis chapter 1 said, Let us make man in our image. So what God was trying to do when he made marriage was to replicate this, okay? So. Here's Adam over here. This is Pastor Adam. This is Adam and Eve. Okay, so here's here's Pastor Matt. So Adam, Elohim. Oh, stand over there. Yeah, sorry, I wasn't waving at you. Sorry. Um, stay, stay one. So Elohim says, "Let us make man in our image." So Elohim makes Adam. And in Genesis two eighteen, out of all of creation, in Genesis, the end of Genesis 1, God saw all that he made, he said it's very good, except for this. In Genesis two eighteen, Elohim looks at this and said, that's not good, that's not good. It's not good for that man, why? Well, let me ask you a question, does this look like this? The answer is no, okay. This doesn't look like that, does it? So the Lord took a rib out of Adam's side, and he made Eve. Okay, so here's E. Well, let me ask you a question. Now look at this, three in one. Does this look like this? The answer is no, it doesn't. Let me ask you a question. But what if you had a Christ-like man, a Holy Spirit-like woman, and God in the middle? Does this look like this? It does. So Elohim said, let us make man in our image. And he made a Christ-like man, a Holy Spirit-like woman, and he was in the middle of it. And when God sees a Christian marriage, this is what he sees. And when the devil sees a Christian marriage, this is what he sees. And when Adam was by himself, the devil never attacked him. And Adam was on the earth for quite a while before Eve because he named all the animals before she was there. But as soon as this woman showed up, The devil saw this, and he attacked their marriage in Genesis 3. And Genesis 3 is not the the record of the fall of man. If the devil would have attacked Adam by himself, that would have been the fall of man. Genesis 3 is the record of the fall of marriage. When Satan saw the image of God being replicated in Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, he went crazy. And this is why he hates your marriage, because your marriage looks like God. Elohim made this so the whole earth would be full of the image of God. Thank you guys, great job. Yeah. That's such a great picture to get in your head because when, you, when you're reading the Bible and it says let us make man our image and he makes Adam and Eve, it's like, well, how does that work? Marriage is a threat to the kingdom of Satan. Everything God does in society, he does on the foundation of marriage, and the devil understands that, and he's a strategist, so he knows if he's going to have his way on the earth, he has to destroy marriage. In 1947, Carl Zimmerman, who is a Harvard sociologist, he issued a report in 1947, warning America that we were going the same way as Rome, Greece... Egypt, Babylon, Samaria, and all the great civilizations that fell from within. And he was a sociologist, he understood world history. And so he said, in, he studied every major civilization that became great and then fell from within. And here's what he says, every society that becomes great becomes great on a conservative biblical model. It doesn't matter if they were Christians or not. Rome, Greece, Egypt, Babylon, all of them became great when they had strong families and strong marriages. And every family, every society that falls from within has the same seven things that they do. And let me say this another way. We're not enlightened as a society. We're going down the same dark alley as all those other societies did. And liberal laws are leading us there. When I say liberal, I'm not saying Democrat or Republican. I'm just saying liberal. They're, they're against the word of God. So here are the seven signs of an atomistic age. This is Carl Zimmerman. This is a Harvard sociologist in 1947 that was warning us back then that we were going the wrong way. Here's the number one sign, what he calls an atomistic age, that means it's falling apart. Marriage loses its sacredness as it is frequently broken by divorce. That's the number one thing that ha- The devil, again, he's a strategist. He knows if he can destroy marriage, he can destroy society. So the first thing that happens when the devil begins to destroy society marriage loses its sacredness. Number two, the traditional meaning of marriage is lost. In the midst of our busy lives, it's easy to neglect our skin, but One Skin, our sponsor today, is on a mission to simplify skincare while delivering profound results. One Skin's secret weapon, their proprietary os one peptide. This groundbreaking ingredient doesn't just mask skin issues, it targets them at a cellular level. We've always struggled with finding products that actually deliver on their promises, but One Skin blew us away with its results. We've used it primarily on our face and neck, and the difference is incredible. But don't just take my word for it. One Skin's commitment but the skin longevity is backed by solid science. Their research has shown that the OSO1 peptide can reduce the number of sensitive cells up to 50%. Effectively reversing skin's biological age. Invest in the health and longevity of your skin with OneSkin. As a listener of our show, you can snag an exclusive 15% off your first purchase using code MARRIAGE at Oneskin.co. That's Oneskin.co with code MARRIAGE. After you make your purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please do us a solid and let them know we sent you. Let's support each other in the journey to healthier, happier skin. Remember, OneSkin isn't just about skin care, it's about skin longevity. Say hello to A brighter, more youthful you. If you're tired of endlessly scrolling through mundane TV shows, searching for something fresh and inspiring, I get it. Time is too valuable to waste on mind numbing content. It's time to invest in something new. Allow me to introduce you to Hillsdale College. They're offering over 40 free online courses covering essential and enduring subjects. Think C.S. Lewis, The Book of Genesis the essence of the US Constitution, the rise and fall of the Roman Republic, and the ancient Christian church. And here's the kicker, these courses won't cost you a penny, they're absolutely free. Now I wanna share a personal recommendation, American citizenship and its decline with Victor Davis Hansen. In this insightful eight lecture course, Victor explores the history of Western citizenship and the challenges it faces today from the vanishing middle class to the rise of globalist organizations, and much more. Here's the deal, friends. Head over to hillsdale.edu forward slash marriage right now to kick off your free course. It's simple to get started, and it won't cost you a dime. That's hillsdale.edu forward slash marriage, the gateway to beginning your learning journey. Don't miss this chance to invest your time in something truly meaningful. Join Hillsdale College, and let's start expanding our horizons together. And alternative forms of marriage, you know, cohabitation, all those things become... Number three, the feminist movement abounds and women lose their inclination for childbearing. Did you know in Japan, in Italy, in Germany, in the Netherlands, they're depopulating? They are not having enough children to replace themselves. In a society, you have to have 2.3 children per couple to keep your population what it is. That's what we have in America right now. We are not... not, uh, Increasing in population, we're not having enough children to do that. But did you know that before societies depopulate, all of them have liberal family laws, and this is what happens: women become feminists because marriage marriage makes women feel secure. It makes them feel secure to have children, and that the husband's going to be there to help them raise the kids. But when there's no marriage, the children, the women lose their inclination for that. Number four: there is an increased public disrespect for parents, and if, is that happening? Number five, there's an increase in juvenile delinquency, promiscuity, and rebellion. Number six, the hostility of pseudo-intellectuals to the traditional family soon spreads to the common people, sealing the doom for society. By the way, pseudo-intellectuals, that's what he calls liberals. Okay, Because they think they're smart, but they're not. Now, marriage, our headquarters of marriage there in South Lake, Texas, uh, in Dallas. And so um, we have a Marriage on the Rock certification course that I teach couple, two or three times a year. And people come in from all over the world to to that course. And so we had this couple that flew in uh, to come to the course and they were checking into their hotel. And the man behind the counter of the hotel said, well, what brings you to Southlake? And they said, well, we're here for Jimmy Evans' marriage course. And the guy behind the counter said, does anybody care about marriage anymore? Contempt for marriage has spread to the common people in our society. No longer just think tank people at Harvard or somewhere else. The average person in America today no longer believes in marriage. By the way, in 1930, 83% of adult Americans were married. Today, 49.7% of adult Americans are married. Most adults in America are not married right now. Number seven, there's an increased acceptance of adultery and sexual perversion. And every society that has fallen from within has those seven things. Let me ask you a question. Do we have those seven things? We have every single one of them. Let me say this. America is not doomed because Jesus Christ is still Lord in heaven. And we believe that God, If, but let me go back to number one. It says that marriage loses its sacredness. We are fighting at marriage today to raise the standard to make marriage sacred again in our society and help people understand what it is. And that's even what I'm doing right now with you in this message. I know you believe in marriage. I know you're Christian people and believe in it. But I'm saying we must stand for marriage because when marriage falls, society falls. And we've got to stand for it. This is number three reason for marriage is to generationally perpetuate the nature of God and the values of his kingdom. Marriage makes us act like God and look like God. Marriage causes us to behave differently. And anybody here who's married and successfully married, here are the things that marriage requires of us. Number one is sacrifice. Mar- marriage doesn't work for selfish people. If you're selfish, stay single. I'm just saying it will not. Marriage is brutal on selfish people. Number one is sacrifice. Marriage is a covenant, and the word covenant means to cut. It means a sacrificial, permanent relationship. The second thing that marriage requires is commitment. That's why a lot of people live together. They not get married. They're not committed. If you're committed, you'll get married. And so it requires commitment. God says in Hebrews thirteen five, day one of our relationship, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. How many of you are glad that God's committed us like that? Anybody glad? I'm glad. I will never, on your worst day, He will never leave you or forsake you. That's what you call commitment. It's God-like. Service, we have to serve each other. Selflessness, cooperation, faithfulness and generosity. God put his image on Adam and Eve and then commanded them to multiply. Before they were uh, uh, qualified to multiply, they had to bear God's image. Well, part of that is what I showed you earlier. The other part was his character. Parents are image bearers to their children of God. And when parents are married and their, their marriage is full of sacrifice and cooperation and service and selflessness, children are seeing the image of God. And not only will the children love the parents, but also the children will love God. But when society rejects marriage, we're not just rejecting marriage, we're rejecting the character of God in our society and in our homes. And when I said earlier that one of the signs of an atomistic age is uh, rebellion in children and disrespect of authority, you know why children become rebellious and disrespectful toward authority is there's nothing to respect. Their parents are so selfish that their parents value their own pleasure over their children's well being. You know, there comes a point in a child's life that they really just don't care how happy we are. They care that we're we're there and we do our job. And for children to be healthy, they need parents that are willing to sacrifice for their well-being and not lay them on the altar of their pleasure. And that's what's happening a lot in our culture. Number four, to multiply God's human family with righteous offspring. And God says it, this is Malachi 2. Did he not make them one, talking about a married couple, having a remnant of the Spirit by his Spirit, he make them one? And why one? He seeks godly offspring. Marriage is best for kids. And at the end of the day, children, when a marriage fails, children are hurt by that. And our society devalues that. And I know that there are single parents here, and single parents can raise terrific kids. But you know, it's harder. It's harder because you're by yourself. But so the Heritage Foundation released a report talking about marriage and its effect on children. And here's part of their report here. Because when God says, I want them to be one in marriage, why? Because I want righteous offspring. Here's what the Heritage Foundation of Think Tank says about uh, parents and children. Children raised in intact families have on an average higher academic achievement, better emotional health and fewer behavioral problems. Fathers of intact families spend on average more time with their children. Teens who frequently have dinner with their families are at lower risk for substance abuse. Adolescents from intact families are less likely to become sexually active. Children raised in intact families by happily married parents tend to be more religious in adulthood. Children raised in intact families are more likely to have stable and healthy romantic relationships as adults. Intact families are more likely to provide a safer home for children. Married mothers tend to create a better home environment for their infants. Married mothers are less likely to experience abuse and violence. And married fathers tend to have better psychological well-being. Well, you, you may be divorced and remarried. Great, you're not, that's great. This, this might not be your first marriage. Maybe it's your third or fourth. I hope it's your last. And I hope you'll fight for it. And if you are divorced and single, I hope that you will believe God to bring you a spouse that you can have this kind of marriage. I would be divorced if it weren't for the grace of God. So I'm not being self-righteous. All I'm saying is children are better off when they have their parents. They need their mom and dad. And the reason the devil attacks your marriage, number one is because it looks like God. Number two is it makes you act like God. And number three is he wants to break your child's heart. We must fight for the holy institution that God loves. And if we've made mistakes, thank God that we have a forgiving God. And if we're broken right now, thank, thank God that we have a redemptive God that can put us back together. But we as believers and we as a society, we must come back to the place of understanding marriage is not just another relationship, it is the foundation of society and it is the holy institution that God loves. Somebody say amen.
2: Hey everyone, we're Dave and Ashley Willis with Marriage Today and we're talking today about God's purpose for marriage. And His purpose for marriage is about so much more than just a temporary arrangement or even about our own happiness. It's really about holiness. It's about bringing glory to Him. It's about having an impact on this earth that will outlive us and will really touch eternity. And we've got a couple great questions today that have come in from viewers who want to live out God's purpose in their own marriage.
0: That's right. Our first question today says, I grew up in a family where divorce was common throughout several generations and marriage was not respected. How can I hope for a healthy marriage?
2: And that's a great question.
0: It is. is. And I think so many people can relate to this question.
2: Absolutely. Because we tend to default to whatever we saw, like whatever we grew up with, even if it wasn't healthy, we tend to repeat a lot of those same habits. We, We go back to what we know. And so what do people do when they didn't have that good example? When there isn't, there aren't people in their family that they can look to and say, I want a marriage like that. Where do you look?
0: I think you have to look to the Lord. You know, you have to realize that you know yes we are affected by how we're raised and and by the surroundings that we grew up with but that does not define our life that God is calling us to something that maybe look different than our own family, and that we need to pray about that. We need to talk to the Lord and look to the Word. You know, the Word is what defines marriage, not what we've seen in our life, not whatever social media says or whatever you see on TV. It's what God says, because God is the one who designed marriage. And when we look in the Word, it's a beautiful covenant. It's, it's a wonderful relationship between a man and a woman, and there's so much to look forward to there. And I think instead of looking at all the mistakes maybe we've seen represented in the relationship within our life, we need to look to what the Lord is calling us to do.
2: That's right. You are not doomed or defined by your past or by what the people in your family have done. You have the power to make your own choice, to to shape a new future, to create a new tradition in your family. And God wants to help you get there as you continue to pray, study His Word, and then look for mentor couples. This is something that's helped us, even though Thankfully, we had some great examples in our own family to look to, but we've also looked to mentor couples, friends who are further ahead than we are, Mm -hmm. um, who have the kind of family that that we'd like to have, not an exact replica, but they're living out principles that we want to learn from. And then we just put ourselves around those folks and kind of said, hey, be our friends, you know, teach us what you know. Mm -hmm. That's helped us so much. You don't have to figure this out on your own. Find somebody that's a few steps ahead of where you are and learn from them.
0: And I would say, too, surround yourselves with couples who also value marriage. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of times this happens in, in small groups within churches. And I just think that's a beautiful thing. I know we've always had a small group that we've been part of. And, and all those couples value marriage and family. And we've learned so much from one another. A lot of times we do marriage studies together. And it just helps you to keep on growing together in the Lord and also in your relationship.
2: So good. And that leads into the second question, which is this. I want my children to know what a successful marriage looks like. What are some practical ways we can teach our kids, even at an early age, that marriage is fun and something to look forward to? And I love this question because I think that part of the reason why there's a generation of young folks coming up now that aren't interested in marriage is simply because they, they didn't see good examples. They, they, they grew up in a house where maybe the marriage was not healthy, and they think, mm-hmm. if that's what marriage is, then I'm not going to do it. I might live with people. I might just be in relationships, but I don't wanna do marriage. But we have an opportunity as parents and as husband and wife to model the kind of marriage that makes our kids want to get married someday, excited to get married someday. And it's not because we're, we're perfect, we're far from it, but we can model that it's fun, that it's healthy, that it's real, and that it brings out the best in the family.
0: And I think some practical ways we can do this is by valuing our time with our spouse and showing our kids that this is important. One practical way you can do this is by making date night a priority. And also by making just time with your spouse a priority. And I know we've talked about this before, but putting your kids to bed a little early and saying, this is now mommy, daddy time. You know, I wanna have a little time with your mom or with your dad. It just shows them that you value your time and you value your marriage. You want to invest in your marriage and let your kids see you kiss. Let your kids see affection. I think this is healthy.
2: Make out in front of (laughs) them.
0: There's certainly boundaries, but it is good to show your kids that you enjoy each other, that you want to be together. That is so healthy and it makes them look forward to marriage one day.
2: So we're gonna have to wrap this up because she's dying to make out with me right now. (laughs) But thank you so much for tuning into this. You guys keep investing in your marriage and we'll see you next time.
1: We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast and we want to let you know about another marriage podcast with Dave and Ashley Willis called Naked Marriage, where they talk about real and raw marriage topics like sex, communication, openness, and more in a fun, lighthearted atmosphere. Search for Naked Marriage with Dave and Ashley Willis in iTunes and start listening today.